You ready, Freddy? Almost, Freddy. I can't hear out of one ear. You got stuff in it? No, it's a dumb thing. It's it's dumb. Um. Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 386. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is what, sweetheart? Apparent self-understanding. Very Sorry, good. I, I was writing something. Caught you off guard. Caught you off guard. Yes. You know what I have to do? I got to uh, trim my eyebrows. They're getting a little Andy Rooney-ish. Yes. I'm going to put that on my list. And I've always told you when, I, when I'm an old man and I got... Hair growing out of my ears and stuff. Just uh-huh. you got to tell me. Don't I will. don't let me just go. That's actually part of what we're talking about today. Oh really? Yes. Oh, not you're about your right. hair, but it is. well, and like last night. Okay, so yesterday, everybody, I was putting my hair up to go to bed, <laughs> which my friend Alyssa, who cuts my hair, told me to stop putting elastics in my hair before bed because that's not good for your hair. Okay. So here's a little tip, everybody, about your hair. If you have long hair like I do and you put it up before you go to bed, use like a cloth scrunchie mm. because that's not as hard on your hair. Mm. So, but then the Making next it day, less likely to come out? It, she, it's just really, it's hard on your hair to be yanked like that. Right. And so she said, oh, don't do that, Kathy. Wear a scrunchie. So, Alyssa, I'm going to do that. And I just shared it with everybody else, too. Um, but so last night I was putting my hair up before bed, and I looked at the side of my head, and I have like a patch. Patch. Like, I used to find gray hairs. Like, oh, there's a gray hair. There's a gray hair. There is a patch of gray hair. So I came to bed, and I pointed out. I said, Todd, you going to still love me when all this is happening? You didn't look. You I said did yes. Look. I, I looked. I didn't see the gray you were talking about, but right. I looked. Right. And I said, look at this. I said, I'm turning gray. How are you feeling with that? And he's like, good. I feel great. So there was not, and I knew what his answer was. I wasn't really asking the question. We were with some friends on Friday night and uh, they're both struggle with balding issues as yes. many middle-aged men do. And the two I t- men you were with. I told my Wayne Dyer story of when Wayne used to wake up and then the next morning and he'd see this hair, the hair on his pillow and he would pick it up, put it in his hand, look at it, and he says, what held you in yesterday? I don't know why <laughs> like, I remember that. Did the glue give out? Yeah, like what happened? Why'd what you happened fall between out? last night and today? And same, like, actually, I do understand the gray because it's under, the reason that I could see it when I put my hair up is because it's like the new hair underneath the old hair. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know how new hair grows around your face? Mm-hmm. And it just, it's all gray. Yeah. So that follicle no longer has color in it. It ran out of gas. It ran out. Do you think I could just like charge it up somehow? Or yeah, juice no? it up. Well, we're lucky, um, men and women, because we can color our hair if we want. Um, so real quick, um, a few quick takes, Uh-oh. Todd's quick takes. Um, first, I'd like to talk about our Team Zen, which is a subscription based that if you want a more interactive podcast, when I say interactive, uh, we're on live with, uh, we have like 50 people signed up. We usually only get about 10 or 15 people on the phone with us. Yeah, or, there's about 50 people right now, maybe a little over that, it's like not 54. The phone. It's on your computer, it's on, on your computer. phone. It's on this thing called Zoom. And basically all you do is click a link and you're part of our little it's like a live podcast and you can just sit and listen. You can ask questions or what a lot of people do because they can't be on the live uh, talk is I send them a, um, an audio and a visual version of the 
um, and a video, not visual, video of the talk so they can watch it on their own time. Right. So um, I think we talked about the summary last week, but I'll just give you the bullet points of what okay. we talked about on our last Zen talk. Why it's okay to let go of learning and productivity for a while. And we actually lived that yesterday. We did. And before you even jump into that, last show we were on, I said to you, Todd, you're wrong. We read those last week and I was wrong. Oh. Because I looked back at the dates and I, we had done... We taped that show on a Monday, and then we had done the show the next day. So you were right. And I was incorrect. Yes. Yes. Boo. Boo. Boo, indeed. It goes on for 13 more seconds. Do you want to just make me feel bad and just keep the boo going? Yes. No, I won't. Okay. Um, Second bullet point, how to potty train when you feel under pressure to do so. And we're talking about the kids, not the grown-ups, obviously. Yes, because if it's the grown-ups, we don't have a lot of... Useful Yeah, when we get old, we're going to go back to learning, not being able to go potty by ourselves. Right, but that's not a learning thing. That's an end of, that's yeah. the body changing. And, and a, then you get different equipment. It's a big circle. It is. It's just a circle of life. Um, and how to find male and female role models for our children and how to talk about, how to talk to a teen tween about their sometimes overblown reaction to simple requests. Correct. Yes. Yeah. You had a good answer for that one, I think. So anyways, um... So, uh, real quick, um, a listener um, found this. She reads GQ, and Brad Pitt was on the cover. Yes, I'm glad that you brought this. And I just cut this out of the article. It had to do with uh, uh, masculinity Mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. So it says, this this is a quote from Brad Pitt. I come from a place where, you know, it's strength if we get a bruise or a cut or an ailment. We don't discuss it. We just deal with it. We just go on. The downside of that is it's the same with our emotion. I'm personally very retarded. And when I, I think he's using that word appropriately. He's, he's, he's saying, slowed. yes, he's slowed. He Even though there are other Other words he, he could have used. used. Yeah. When it comes to taking inventory of my emotions, I'm much better at covering up. I grew up with a father knows best war mentality. The father is all powerful, super strong. Instead of really knowing the man and his own self-doubt and struggles and it's hit me back in the face with our divorce. I got to be more. I got to be more for them. I have to show them. And I haven't been great at it. So when he's saying our divorce, he's talking about his divorce from Angelina Jolie. And our listener who sent this to us, to told us about this article, she was saying that um, now that we've been talking about, she listens to the show pretty regularly. And we talk a lot about toxic masculinity. And we did a show a couple weeks ago where Todd was saying he was presenting about this and he was getting a lot of pushback from people, from other men saying, no, it's not all men, it's humanity, which again, we we did a whole show on that. So you'd have to go back and listen to that. But what she's saying is now that that's been brought to her attention so consistently, she sees it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she'll read an article and be like, that's toxic masculinity, yeah. w- which is he grew up in a home where emotions were not discussed and the boys were told to suck it up. Now for some, it can be like, oh good, I get to just go right over that issue and not deal with it. But what he's saying, the downside is, is it's still affecting his life today. He was not able to show up for his kids the way he wanted to or his wife, and now he's divorced. So we can say in the moment that it's, let's just move on. But do you see that Brad Pitt is in his 50s? Yeah. And he's still struggling with this. And now he's saying, I need to be more than that. Which, and what he means by that, I think, is he needs to show his yes, kids his, his vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. his pain, his sadness, mm-hmm. his emotion. And, uh, you know, I kind of had this impression of Brad Pitt as a self-aware 40-some-odd-year-old. And I guess it's kind of comforting to know that 
or just more realistic. You know, he's trying to get his stuff together just like we are. Well, it makes me look at that scene from Tree of Life so differently. Uh, the, sto- the movie Tree of Life by uh, Terrence Malick was the director, so it's a very Terrence Malicky film. For those of you who know that Ooh, director, yes, yeah. it's a very like poetic kind of slow moving film, but not boring. Just oh, like wonderful. it's like a it's like a song, you yeah. know. Just um, and there's a scene. Brad Pitt in that movie is a very is a father like yeah. the one he's describing from the 50s, 60s, and he's teaching his sons how to fight. And in that scene, he's basically telling his sons, hit me, and I'm going to try and hit you back. And it's a really... um it's an intense scene. It's uncomfortable because you know what he's trying to do. He's trying to do in love, but the boys are looking at him like, I don't want to hit you yeah. and I don't want you to hit me and I don't want this to be my life. There's two amazing parts about that scene. One is um, it, it would have been easy for a Hollywood movie maker to make it very typical like it's this gruff hard dad but you could see one dimensional you could see brad pitt was struggling with that in the moment and then the other thing is i remember reading uh an interview where he talked about that scene and it was it took a lot out of him right and that's the irony see here's the thing i read that article too or todd you told me about it because i remember then watching tree of life for the second time and remembering oh brad pitt had a hard time with this scene and i thought oh because he understands his emotions and self-awareness and now now he's saying he kind of got it mm-hmm. and he knew it bothered him for some reason, but he hadn't come full circle. And that's life, right? I don't, I don't, I'm not angry at him for that or trying to judge him, but sometimes we know knowledge or we are triggered, but we don't understand how to practice it yet. Right. Um, and then one real quick thing. I think I've mentioned this guy's name on our podcast before, but it bears repeating. And I'm going to say it to you, sweetie. You tell me if you remember who he is. Okay. Charles Feeney, Chuck Feeney. Does it do anything for you? No, I don't remember. Uh, he created the Duty Free Shoppers Group. So at airports, it oh, says yeah, Duty yeah. Free. Mm-hmm. And I got into this uh, debate with a friend of mine online, and we started talking about giving and giving to charity and contributions and all that good stuff. And I ended up remembering this guy's name and Googled him really quick. And, um, you know, we all need to have heroes, role models, things like that. And this man, Chuck Feeney, I don't even know if he's still alive. Um, but he uh, became a billionaire, and he gave away his fortune in secret for many years until a business dispute resulted in his identity being revealed in 1997. Over the course of his life, Feeney has given away more than $8 billion. That's oh with gosh. a B, billion dollars. Feeney's known as frugality, living in a rented apartment, not owning a car or house, and flying economy class. <laughs> this guy is my hero. So I, next door. I took a picture of him and I put him on my vision board. And I just think that, you know, though that's that's my freaking hero right there. It's not Michael Jordan. It's not Walter Payton. It's not any of those guys, although I loved watching those guys play sports. But Chuck Feeney's my guy. Well, and, you know, the question that Todd and I always ask when we hear things about people you know, who have a lot of money, who are really worried about certain percentages or taxes or all that kind of thing is the question always is, how much do you need? And that doesn't mean that other people get the right to use your money in an inappropriate way. You know, this isn't really about business or about politics. This is just about literally, let's take those things off the table. How much do you need? Mm-hmm. Like what? what's, because a lot of people, their choices are all based in that kind of financial fear. Yeah. And you would think, you know, as we've discussed on the show many times that once you get enough money, you stop having that fear. But the crazy thing is, 
is, is millionaires and billionaires carry this fear of, yep. of I need more or they no, I need to not, I need this tax break or I need to not have to pay for this. Or they have the same way of thinking and they don't realize that there's plenty. Yeah. And so it's kind of that mentality of, um, and, and this is not just for millionaires and billionaires, you know, people who are middle class or upper middle class who are doing okay. Including me. I always talk about how I worry about paying for our girls' college tuition. If that's my biggest worry, it really isn't that much right. of a worry. Like the, the people who I think deserve to worry mm-hmm. is the people that uh, know that that aren't sure if there's going to be a roof over their head. Or food that or night. Or food that yeah. night. And, and when we say they deserve to worry, not deserve They've like they should. they the right to, yeah, go Well, ahead. they under, there is a reason. Right. The, they have to, the survival, the, the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's right. hierarchy of needs, their basic survival needs aren't met. And until they get to a certain place where their survival needs are met, there is going to be a certain amount of stress in living. Mm. And then once they get to a certain place where they can pay, if they do get to a place where they can pay for their food and their shelter, then and maybe even have a little more where they could, you know, occasionally buy something they need, then that's when that whole idea of your happiness doesn't improve beyond that uh, depending on how much money you have. Meaning once every all your needs are met, having like a lot more money than that doesn't necessarily make you a happier person. But going from survival needs to that, there is there is a happiness ratio that goes up. Absolutely. So for our main topic... Um, Wait, can I do my quick take? Oh, yeah. Because you're on quick I didn't takes. know you subscribed to quick takes. Well, I, don't, I thought I don't, that was a Todd thing. I don't call it quick takes, but I kind of feel like this fits under that... Quick take mentality? Yes, which is this isn't something we need to spend a lot of time on. But if you guys remember last week, I shared on the show about um, Sharon Salzberg uh, giving me the language around recognizing our past traumatic events, not necessarily as gifts, because a lot of people say, oh, I'm so glad that happened to me because of this thing. And while I get that, and I've had those experiences of my own where a past uh, traumatic experience has led me down maybe a better path or a more well-informed path, it's hard for me to think of negative things as necessarily being gifts, right? So the language Sharon Salzberg gave me was they're givens. And then once you have a given in your life, then you get to decide how to move forward and be a force for good with that information. Well, I was reading in Oprah Magazine this month, um, and by the way, on this cover of Oprah, Oprah's eating, this is the, is this August? She's eating this corn, mm. and it looks so good, doesn't it, Todd? It does. We're going to have a corn party. Well, Todd and I are going to have a corn party. So I'm from DeKalb, and we love corn. Um, I grew up around corn, and I love it. And we actually have a corn festival, yeah. as you know. Um, so, But every summer, we get really excited, my family, for end of July and August, because that's when the corn is really good. But that has nothing to do with this. I just wanted to make that point. Okay. So Alice Siebold, she probably doesn't, you probably don't know that name, but she wrote uh, the book, The Lovely Bones. Do you remember that? I've heard of the book. So, and she wrote other books too, but that was her most famous book and it was turned into a movie and everything. Well, part of her history, and I read her previous book uh, before The Lovely Bones, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about her experience of being raped. Mm -hmm. And she, um, you know, she kind of writes about her experience of going through it. It's a very uh, difficult, challenging, because she's not trying to be provocative. She's, she's heavy. It's, she just shares the story, you know, it's, she doesn't hold back. She basically shares. And so basically in this, um, this small blurb that she writes for Oprah magazine, it's called the lifelong process in the struggle to survive after trauma. The struggle is the point. And that's, so that's how it's, you know, put together. But what she says 
is that it kind of drives her crazy when people have a struggle or a challenge and they continue to say, I don't understand why I can't get over it. Mm. And I have so many people sit down in my office or in, you know, women's circle or whatever, or just people that I know who are friends who say, why can't I get over this thing? And it could be something significant. Uh, Everything is significant regardless, but, you know, it could be a sexual assault. It could be a breakup. It could be, um, you know, a mistake that was made. It's, it, it, it doesn't really matter what it is. But the question is, I don't know why I can't heal from this. And a lot of people will say, well, here's what you do, including myself as someone who's a therapist or, you know, someone who helps people, you give advice like, oh, why don't you meditate or, you know, try yoga or that kind of thing. But here's what Alice Siebold says. And I really appreciated this. The problem is many of us interpret such forms of advice like juicing or meditation or pharmaceuticals as a promise that if we follow these rules, we will reach a point where we say, I'm healed. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and here's me talking again. I'm not being hurt. That's not how it goes. Because, and again, I'm going back to Alice Siebold now. Not so. And that's okay. Not only is it okay, but it also ref- reflects life as it is. She says, I like the name of Dan Savage, Savage's project for struggling LGBTQ youth, which, do you know what it is? Do you remember what Dan Savage came up with? Gets better. It gets better. That's the only level of promise I'd be comfortable endorsing. Yeah. Right? It doesn't say it'll go away. Right. They say it gets better. It doesn't say you will never have pain again once you're 30 with the added bit that for periods of time, sometimes it gets worse. Like sometimes you get triggered by something. Like she gives an example here of she was, like I said, she was raped and and there was a time she was in a yoga class. And sometimes in yoga, uh, they use props or they hold onto your legs or do certain things to help you stretch further. And she was in a yoga class and someone started putting their, you know, sometimes they stand on you Mm -hmm. and and hold you down so you can stretch. Well, it triggered her because she felt like she couldn't. So it got worse for that moment. And so a lot of people would say, well, then that must mean I'm not here. No, it just triggered you and reminded you of that time. So this is how she ends. And this, again, this is just so we can understand ourselves a little better. There is no great catharsis out there for those who have been traumatized. So there's no goodwill hunting ending. Moment, yeah. Right, where it's all just gone. I mean, you can have moments of that. I've had that where you've let go, but it doesn't mean it's gone. So Writing a book, or she's talking about her experience, she wrote a book about it, she did all these things, and so you'd think that would heal you. She said, but none of these heal you. If you think healing means you're led to a final state where the pain is gone and you were as you were before, that's a bill of goods unfairly sold to those who are most desperate. To heal from trauma means you face your pain and loss while simultaneously seeking solace and at moments finding joy. Do this on a day-to-day basis. This is how you survive. This is the best part, Todd. I'm like getting tingles reading this. Healing is an active state, not a destination. Mm -hmm. In that light and no other, it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. It's an active state. So for those of us who are like, why can't I get over this? Why can't I? It's an active state. You're never going to get to a place, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm over it. I'm done with it. It doesn't bother me. You protest too much. Mm There's And it doesn't mean that you don't heal or get better. I just said it doesn't mean you don't heal. It doesn't mean that you can't learn to deal with it better. It doesn't mean you can't put it somewhere where it doesn't hurt you as much. Like time does heal. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was going to challenge you with is that there are circumstances, and I'll use a fake one, um, Mikey from Swingers. Mm -hmm. The whole movie is about him being heartbroken because his girlfriend breaks up with him. Right. And then at the end of the movie, he finds out that he's going to move on to Heather Graham, and he has since lost that. Right. So, like, there are moments... 
could, right? that's the thing is this is why I'm, you know, why I want to have a discussion about it rather than writing about it. Of course there are moments. And like I said, the goodwill hunting thing, I've had those cathartic moments. So have you, yeah. where you have like this amazing cry or this amazing realization. You're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. But that doesn't mean the trauma left you. It means you've come, you've gotten clarity about it. You've found a place in your body that it can comfortably reside. Yeah. Or what I was going to say is you have a better understanding of what it is or how to have a relationship with yes. it as you, opposed to, yes. for it to be removed from you. So Mikey when he forgets about his girlfriend who he's been heartbroken for for the whole movie, it's not like that girl's existence is removed. No. He just relates to it in a different way. He may be driving two years from then and hears a song mm -hmm. and feels sad. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean, oh, no, what does that mean? I'm not healed. It means, yeah, it re, it triggered that place in me where I remember her. Like, you know, Todd and I just came from visiting my mom and – you know, my dad passed away. What did we figure out? Six weeks ago, give or take. Um, and of course, I'm. That's. It's not the. You know, it's so soon. But I am okay most days. But when I go back to where he lived and I'm at the place, you know, and the sights and the yeah, smells, memories and, and we actually had to go to the funeral home again. Of course, I'm re-triggered, and and it doesn't mean oh no, I'm brought back to the beginning. It just means that the, it's still for me pretty fresh. But it's also. It's a thing. And, and you know, I'm, there's still grief. And I have had so many people email me saying, oh, my dad died 20 years ago and I still think about it. Or, you know, if it's not about a death, if it's about a, you know, someone, you know, being hurt or assaulted, like, yeah, I was assaulted when I was five years old, but I can still remember yeah. that so well. It's what we do. The worst thing we could do is pretend it didn't happen. And then the other worst thing we can do is think we have to live in that state of pain Constantly. What we do is have to acknowledge it happened, um, find tools to deal with the feelings when they come up, have some acceptance, possibly forgiveness, and then, it, you know, kind of like Jeff Foster says about our sadness, hold it rather than deny it. Or heal it. Or he rather than heal it. Right. Yeah, hold it rather than heal it. Yeah, he actually uses that word, doesn't mm -hmm. he? So I just thought anytime I see something about how to deal with our pain or our past trauma, um, it's always helpful for me as a therapist yeah. because I think that um, it, it helps me talk to people about their own pain because they get frustrated at themselves that they think they should be healed. And they're just, and there's so many, that's not how it works. And and when I say as a therapist, also as an individual, mm -hmm. I need that too. Sure. It's not just for others, but again, there's another, um, you know, another way to look at our history and recognize that it can, that it's part of being human and that we can use it to be a, a an influencer of others and a helper of others. Right. Okay. Um, well, thank you, sweetie. And I want to yeah. talk about our first partner, canvaspeople.com. So go to canvaspeople.com. And what do they do? They're an easy-to-use photo-to-canvas service that takes uh, your favorite photos from your phone or your computer or your camera and turns them into beautiful artwork that you can hang on your wall and your office, give it as a gift to somebody. We actually have some Canvas People artwork on our walls. And our daughter, Cameron, just took a photography class. Mm -hmm. And my goodness, she took some good photos. Yes. So I'll give a shout-out first to Dana. Steinecker photography because she's my friend, but she's also a fantastic photographer and she teaches junior high kids. Mm. So, um, you know, she's wonderful. And Cameron loved the camp. She took some beautiful photos that are now hanging in a coffee shop in our town. Yeah. 
So, um, so here's the deal. We have this uh, deal with Canvas People that is just for Zen Parenting Radio listeners. Um, you can order 11 by 14 Canvas that's actually priced at about 70 bucks. But if you put in the coupon code ZEN, it goes from 70 down to zero. You just pay for shipping. So you cannot beat it. So go to canvaspeople.com, type in Zen, Z-E-N, when you order an 11 by 14 Canvas and it goes from 70 bucks to zero. So thank you, Canvas People. And to our listeners, check them out because they're pretty awesome. So the main topic of today, um, I have been listening to a lot of Simon Sinek and he, one phrase he uses is to scratch your own itch. And what that means is talk about things that you, that you, and this is something you've been doing forever, sweetheart. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm coming around to this idea. Do things that are relevant to you. Do things that make you happy. So talk about on the podcast, instead of us doing a market survey of what the most important topic is of parenting, instead for today, I'm going to talk about something that happened to me last week. And we'll have a discussion based around that. And Kathy has some examples too. So um, I was supposed to go uh, paddling in Lake Michigan with my with two of my friends. And we had this date set up for about six weeks. And kind of at the last minute, I emailed them and I said, you know what? Um, Saturday sucks. Let's reschedule. And my friend and uh, co-facilitator in the tribe men's group, Frank Nago, um, because he and I have such a uh, incredible friendship, one thing that he did for me was he said, in an email, he said, Todd, it's fine if you want to renegotiate the date, but for you just to say it sucks is kind of a, I don't know exactly the words he used, cop but it's, it's a cop out. It's a, it's BS. I was BSing him. So in the moment when I received that email, believe me, I wasn't really excited to respond, but what it did is it forced me to look at myself and ask why I kind of did take the cop out answer, the cop out um, excuse of me just kind of saying it sucks. So I wrote this kind of big, long email to both Frank and my other buddy, and I basically told them what um, I wanted. Um, I wanted to make myself feel good by kind of giving a cap-out answer, but it really wasn't the truth. And um, I gave many reasons why I did want to change the date, and some of which were real and authentic, and others were not re- not reasons that I was very proud of. And I shared even my unproud reasons with them. And it was very cathartic for me to have my friend lovingly not let me BS him. And I think that is very rare um, amongst m- people, amongst men, amongst women. You tell me about your experience, sweetie. But it's always so much easier just to kind of uh, let people slide, even though you know that they're BSing you. And I believe me, I try not to BS. Uh, one of Don Miguel Ruiz's four agreements is be impeccable with your word. And I am somebody who tries to live by that. Yet at the same time, I broke my word with him twice in a seven-day period, which is very rare for me. And I think the first one, he let me slide. But the second one, he's like, no, I'm calling you out on this. And you got to kind of go through a process and figure out how, why you're doing this. And he and I are better friends because of it. It was really hard to go through. And, but I even, I saw him later the next day and I looked at him right in the eyes. I said, thank you for calling me out in the loving way that you did. It would have been easier for you to say, okay, let's just do it next week. And you didn't. And a lot of it is dependent on the friendship that you have. Cause there's other friends of mine that I wouldn't want to be called out by them. But with him, I did. And it's just kind of an interesting 
um, just how it transpired was very interesting to me. So that's my quick story. Do you have mm-hmm. any thoughts, my darling? Well, I, I think that it is important. But as you said, I think it depends a lot on the relationship that you have with the person. And the discussion that Todd and I were having today, I actually was talking about a therapist that I work with and that I love. And um, the the relationship that I have with her is really kind of one that I've been evolving toward for a long time because for many years, the kind of teacher student relationship, or it could be, I worked with a lot of energy workers and uh, body workers and people who were more like spiritual teachers and they were all wonderful. And I learned a lot and I was propelled forward. Um, or I evolved, but there was a inside of the relationship, there was a lot of, um, or at least it felt like it would get to a certain point where there was just all it was, was calling me out mm-hmm. constantly yeah. <laughs> where I needed that initially, like, especially in the first couple of years, because that's, I sometimes think where the self-awareness begins is where you just say to someone, no, say what you really mean or, you know, own it or all of that kind of work is really important. And sometimes you can do that in friendships, sometimes in a therapist office, sometimes in a body working session, sometimes in like what you guys do, Mankind Project or a women's circle uh, in AA and things like that, you know, and in 12 step programs, people, you know, help you own your stuff. Um, and that's really great. And then the hope is that as you have those relationships, either professionally or personally, that you start to intrinsically uh, commit to that process Mm -hmm. where you no longer need to go out in the world and have people constantly yelling at you to own it because hopefully you are owning it the majority of the time. And what what does own it mean? Self-awareness in why you are saying and doing what you're doing. That to kind of back up to Todd's story, when Todd said to the guys, I'm not going paddling with you tomorrow, tomorrow sucks. It's not about him canceling. It's about his inability to own why he's canceling because he stayed, he canceled it. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, oh, you're right. You've called me out. I'll go. It wasn't that. It was why aren't you going? And why did you make this date with us if you were putting other things before us? Mm -hmm. And so he had to own that we already had plans Friday night. And some of them were because of me. Mm -hmm. And even that, I'm, you know, I'm honoring my commitment with Kathy mm-hmm. over you guys, yeah. and, which is okay. Well, and I even said, I said, you know, if I have a choice between who's going to get mad at me, Frank and my other friend, Scott, or you, um, all things being equal, I would rather have them mad at me because right. you are my partner and Correct. everything else. There is sometimes, and this is the thing that Todd and I talk about a lot because I really do believe in our lives that while we need to be impeccable with our word, I think that's very important. I also think it's very important to have to do what we say we're going to do and have people depend on us. But I also believe that there is indeed a hierarchy of relationships, Mm. meaning that if you, you don't just do something in a static way where you're like, I said I'd be there, so I'm going to be there regardless of who I'm hurting. There are times when you may have a commitment to one person, but if I am struggling, and and again, there's enough self-awareness. I don't use that as a manipulative tool. Mm-hmm. That's not like, well, Todd, I'm struggling. Choose me. Right. Choose me. Choose me. That's from Grey's Anatomy. JC and I always do that. Um, choose me. Love me. Um, anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> that's Meredith. Uh, she, you know, there are times when... I'm struggling. We did a show a long time ago, years ago, when my dad was sick and he went into the hospital and Todd was at this event for a Mankind Project and I was trying to get a hold of him and he chose to not get a hold of me because he's like, I don't want to 
deal with you. And in that kind of situation with a family trauma, I believe, Mm -hmm. and some of you listening may say no, no, but that that trumps what's happening with your, you know, with the Mankind Project Mm -hmm. that weekend, not all the time. And so, and I, and also in that podcast, we talked about how I didn't, I wouldn't have said, come home. I just needed to talk to you. I I needed you. And what I did was I left you a kind of a totally weak ass voicemail. Right. I was praying that you wouldn't answer Answer, and you didn't. So I was like, sweet. And I think most men and women can relate to the emotion I'm referring to. Because if I answer, then you have to deal with it. Then I got to deal with it. Otherwise I say, hey, I called you, I left you a message. And then I was busy the rest of the day. Hey, balls in your court. Balls in your court. So anyways, go ahead. So my point is, is that that's the thing is that, and, and to give this like a clean surface, you can't have a relationship where you manipulate each other mm-hmm. or you and Frank can't have a relationship where you're trying to one up each other. Yeah. The reason, the reason I'm saying that piece is so then you understand how, if you've got a, gosh, I can't, I have to come up with a better word. It's not like purity of relationship, but like a trust in your relationship that you know that my intention is never to hurt you. Yeah. My intention is that I want you to have that mankind weekend, but because of you're my person and I'm struggling, I need you. Yeah, well, there's crisis. Crisis, good word. That if I'm not in crisis, yeah. then go yeah. do and your all, thing. And that's what I meant by all things being equal. If yeah. you're like, if you're having a bad day and I'm right. at this mankind weekend, you deal with your right. bad day. I got to deal with it. But there right. was a crisis and I... You know, and I, we're stronger because of it, but I was weak. And, and here's the other thing. So I made a lot of bad choices on that weekend. I tried to make up for it, you we know, worked through way it. too yeah, late we worked it, through it. It, within that weekend. But within the contents of that weekend, I did come home early on Sunday. But yeah. by then it was not too late because if I would have came home the way I, when I was planning, it would have been even worse. Yeah. Um, but when you do something like that... Um, it's very easy for me to go into the sh- shame spiral. Right. And that's not healthy either. No, it's not. So when I do disappoint somebody I love, like you on the Mankind Weekend or Frank for paddling, yeah. it's important to love yourself when you do have these big screw ups. Mm-hmm. And that's the paradox that you and I always talk about. It's, yeah. I was wrong. I should have given the guys a better excuse. I, I should have been more transparent. I should have owned it a little bit better. But I screwed up. Well, the de- the definition, the word you're looking for when you say love yourself is self-compassion. Yeah. Because what self-compassion means is it doesn't mean that you don't recognize what you did wrong. It's not a skipping over of what you did wrong. What it is is an acknowledgement of what you did wrong, asking for forgiveness if that's necessary or maybe support if you need it, and then also not – and then putting your hand over your own heart. You may not do this, but metaphorically, and saying – I'm doing my best. Well, and this reminds me of Brene's language of yeah. the difference between guilt and shame. Yeah. Guilt is when you feel bad about something you, that you did. Shame is when you feel bad about, about who you are. Exactly. And, and that that is very powerful. It is. Guilt is, and you know, Brene kind of reshaped that for me a few years ago because I always used to say guilt is an unnecessary emotion or it, it's it's wasted energy. But she gave me better language where guilt is actually helpful because not perpetual guilt. I'm not talking about like the mommy guilt thing where you feel crappy all the time. That's not, I'm talking about a guilty feeling in isolation where you did something to hurt someone and then you don't feel good about it. That's there because it's reminding you of who you are and you can change that behavior. Shame is I feel bad about who I am constantly. I feel like guilt is an emotion that you can use to your advantage. Shame never works to your advantage. It's a fear spiral. Yeah. 
Shame, shame will just take you down. The other thing I want to mention is I do think that everybody needs to have somebody in their life to call them out when somebody is BSing. Uh, to, to your point, doesn't mean everybody should call you out. Like no. there's friends of mine that I simply don't have a good enough rapport with. And even if I did BS, I'm like, I don't want to hear this from you. Right. But but I think I truly think everybody needs to have somebody in their life to to be able to give you that honest feedback, dialogue, discourse that is so elusive in today's society. Yeah. And I think that, again, you it's hopefully it's in your partnership. I mean, I feel like that's why we get into partnerships or get married is because that person can be that mirror for us. Mm -hmm. And I think we do a pretty good job of, you know, owning things with each other or, uh, you know, I I tend to... um, I think I think that I've done enough work that I tend to often be the one who brings it up um, with you or with my friends. Like, here's the uncomfortable thing. We're not here's the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the other people didn't even see the elephant in the room. I just felt it. Yeah. And they may not even when I bring up still see the elephant, but I'm feeling it. And so I feel like I need to bring it up. And here's why this is important. Sometimes the way that we strengthen a relationship is not by changing the other person. It's not, we don't bring things up to say, now you need to change as a person. Oftentimes we bring things up to clear our own body and mind of our concerns. Because sometimes there's things I bring up to Todd or my friends, um, or even in a therapy session, or if I'm coaching or whatever, where I'm bringing it up and as it's coming up and I'm having all these feelings and things I've been carrying around. And then as it gets out there, I realize it's either not that big of a deal or I was wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like the more I talk about it and I'm able to like um, say these things to you, like I feel like you've been doing blah, blah, blah. Uh, We always do so much better when we use something real rather than being general. There's been times, can you think of something? What about uh, Todd, you've been traveling too much? Is that a good one? Sometimes, yes. Todd travels for work and sometimes he does things back to back where he's gone. And I will say to him, you know, when you're gone, you know, it's hard for me. Or when you come home, you know. And then I get on my headphones and on the computer and I don't connect with you. Right. You know. And so in that situation, it's not that I'm necessarily wrong, but it's not necessarily that Todd has to change everything about himself. I just need to feel validated in what I'm experiencing because it doesn't mean don't, (laughs) this is, it's hard to talk about it because it's not literal. It's, it doesn't mean never put your earphones on again. It doesn't mean you suck at listening all the time. It means right now. And the, and the, the most important thing is to bring it into the room so we can deal with it and bring it up and and maybe I'm just doing it for me so I can bring it out of my body rather than let it just sit there and become something ugly. Well, and here's the thing. When you are, and you're talking about like, uh, you know, um, you know, venting or, yeah. or whatever, it's very easy to, for the other person to get defensive. And yes. there's times when I get defensive and there's other times when I'm present and, I'm, and I say to myself, she's struggling right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to judge her for it, mm-hmm. even though I don't feel like everything you're saying is valid. Mm-hmm. As your partner, what I aim for is when that happens is to give you the space because you usually do kind of come around mm-hmm. by yourself when, the, when, so in other words, it doesn't take for me to say, no, that's not true because of this and this and that. You will... Um, come to that realization without you, and I can still be the guy without you giving you mm-hmm. the space to kind of process this. And 
can it be true that I am feeling that way and you are involved, but you don't need to change anything, yet I still feel a certain way? Mm. So it's not as if someone's right and someone's wrong. Well, and I still have the gift and the blessing of a wife who starts the conversation by saying, this has nothing to do with you. Uh-huh. And then you'll go into about how I didn't connect with you when I traveled mm-hmm. or I've been traveling too much mm-hmm. last week. But you'll start it out. Most guys don't get that gift. Mm-hmm. And even with that gift that you give to me, mm-hmm. I still sometimes get very defensive. Mm-hmm. Even though you're saying, everything I'm about to say has nothing to do with you. It's me processing. Yeah. And basically why I'm saying it has nothing to do with him is again, yes, I am reacting to him, Mm -hmm. but it's really not something he needs to change. It's something that I need to say that I'm feeling like, okay, I'll give you an example, everybody. Say I'm feeling lonely because of something old that has to do with me. Cause that is a lonely is a word that resonates with me where there were times, I think we all did, but you know, that I would feel lonely. So if I start to feel lonely, I may start to view Todd through the lens of lonely, where if he has his earphones in, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. he doesn't see me. He doesn't feel me, which may be true, but he didn't do anything different than he did the day before. Right, and and I would say to myself, we had breakfast this morning. We had a good conversation after lunch. Why are you lonely? Why am I lonely? And the lone and what I really need to talk through and what I need from him is to validate the lonely, yeah. not to change who he is and to and to make it all better for me, but to sit in the presence of me feeling lonely. And then once I say that, and I kind of get a better because remember we don't heal everything from our past. We just recognize it. Once I get a better understanding of lonely and real. I'm really not lonely in the moment. It's old lonely. It gets yeah. so deep. Yeah. Um, it's not present day lonely. It's not present day lonely. It's old lonely coming for a visit. Yeah. Um, it wasn't about you, but you triggered it in yes. me. So you don't need to change anything, but I do need your love mm. to help me through it. Well, I think that's an important like language discrepancy because if I'm listening to this podcast, I'd be like, okay, so they said that Todd, this has nothing to do with you, yet the next two sentences are that you travel too much. Of course it has everything right. to do with you. I think the, the word that you and I are kind of figuring out as we process through this podcast is... Um, you triggered something in, in me, me yes. that ha- that is not present day. Right. Before and, I was wearing glasses where I was seeing present day yeah. and something happened that made me put on my past glasses. Yeah. So then what a lot of us husbands will do is we'll, you know, dig our heels in and, and you know, I've even been as guilty of saying, you don't have any idea how good you have it. And then I start listing <laughs> these things that my dad used to not do for my mom. And you say things like, guess what, Todd? I didn't marry your dad. I <laughs> married you which I think is a really powerful moment in our marriage. It is. And you know what I always like to do for everybody, because this goes back to even you and Frank too, is let's just take the labels off our relationship. Like one thing I said to a parent the other day was they were talking about their kid and their kid was struggling with something. And I said, what if you weren't their parent? What would you do? Mm. What if you didn't have the role of parent? What would you say to this kid? And she's like, well, I would kneel down and I'd give him a hug and I'd tell him he's going to be all right. And I go, then that's what you do. It's really powerful, actually. Yeah, because we get into this thing where as a parent, I should do this. As a parent, I need to teach them this. As a parent, I have to do this. But when we when we get when we strip the role, because I do that a lot with Todd, as I've said on the show, and I tell my women's circle, I often in my own head do not refer to Todd as my husband. I refer to him as like the most important person in my life. Mm-hmm. And as as my good friend, like my friend who's my lifelong friend, and it's the relationship I want to maintain. Now, when I say those words, 
doesn't that feel different than husband? Like, and then with that understanding of this is the relationship that I, that I put a lot of attention on because it's a friendship, then you go, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. But when we say husband, there's expectation of you should do better. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And, you know, to go back to your previous example of what if this, um, I, I don't know if I'm reversing it, but like, what if this was not your kid, but your neighbor's kid? Right. How would you react? Right. And I almost feel like that's kind of a good like litmus test when you're in the midst of wanting to strangle your teenager because they're smart alkies to right. you. Uh, instead, you know, how would you, you know, I always talk about John Duffy's story about, you know, parents. So when your kid's 25, are they going to want to come home for Thanksgiving dinner? I feel like this is another vehicle for that same teaching is how would you teach this young person if you weren't the parent yeah. and you would probably do it with a lot more, I think, compassion, compassion. gentleness, acceptance. Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people would push back on me saying, but that's not my job because that's, if they're really not my kids, then I don't really care that much. But the weird thing is if you maybe cared a little bit less as if it were your neighbor's kid, then you would be a better parent. You would actually say what they need to hear yes. because what happens is when it's our kid, we're so personally invested, we get offended. Exactly. And then we get afraid that we're not doing our job and our role correctly. So we come back with fear and anger because of the role we have in their lives. If it's our neighbor's kid, it's not that we... It's not that we're like, oh, I don't care what happens to this kid. We just know that we're not in the role of concern. Yeah. And so we can actually approach them with very present day, mindful, loving compassion, which is what people in crisis need. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. I had a, a talk with my mom today. She was saying that um, she had dinner with someone who was a psychiatrist and she gave this psychiatrist my book, my, mm. my third book, The Live What You Want Your Kids to Learn. And he wrote her a note back and said something to the effect of, this is what we as therapists, as psychiatrists, psychologists, this is what we try and teach parents and families is this kind of information where we've got this old model of what parenting is, which is the fear and the shame and the do as I say, the Brad Pitt thing, yeah. you know, father knows best, listen to me. And that's a, a societal uh, normalized version of parenting. Therapists, not all, there are some who have a totally different model, but typically, and this psychiatrist obviously agreed with me, a lot of psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, coaches have this different model of this is about connection and relationship. And, and if you have that and you're mindful and you're present and you're attuned, that's what creates change. And we know that research-wise, but that hasn't trickled down to mainstream yet. So what we're trying to do is maybe be the catalyst for the evolution of this new understanding yes. that you and I struggle with and celebrate and sift through and sometimes do really good at and sometimes... You know, Go back to the setbacks, old model, right? Mm -hmm. Everything, right? And that's the thing is, there's no perfection in it. Again, just like healing isn't a destination, parenting isn't a destination. No. It's a it's a day to day process, and sometimes, and that's the whole purpose of it is you get self awareness from every interaction. So there's not, you know, I see some days like people will post something like, you know, parenting win or parenting goal or I made it or, um, and. You never no. make it. In that situation, I honor what they're saying. They're saying, I did a good thing today. Awesome. Like, I give them props. But it's not like, okay, from then on out, you're never going to make a mistake. It's you funny. Know? Like, if I were to have a parenting goal, I don't even know if I have a parenting goal. But if I did, it was it would be to be present. Like, really, 
you know, to be aware of what's going on around you without judgment and, and, and being present enough to be able to be a good listener for you or be a good listener for our kids. And the trick is, the tricky part about that goal is you never get there because presence is something by definition is it happens in the this present. moment right now. But see, that is perfect, Todd, because then you understand what parenting really is. By that definition, you don't, there is no end. Yeah. You know, there is no goal. There, and, and my my goal, and, and this is really my goal, is to maintain a relationship with my daughters. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the tricky part of that. You have to understand what a healthy relationship looks like to know what that means. Because some people would hear that, but they are in the relationship of, you know, the old Tony Robbins stuff. If you give me something, I give you something. Transactional or manipulation or passive aggressive. And that's what they view a relationship like. So then they'll say, well, I have a relationship with my kid. It's just super passive aggressive. Well, but then maybe that's not the healthiest way. Well, and that's where role models for me come into play. Like maybe your role models are couple a couple down the street, or maybe it's a pretend couple on TV. Right. Like we need to have, to your point, like you need to know what you want in order to get there. And a lot of us are spinning our wheels. Like we don't even know what good parenting means. Right. I'm sitting on this podcast with 385 podcasts under my belt, still not sure what my goal is. Right. You know? Even though... And and part of that is recognizing that there is no goal. There is the constant evolving of like a role model that worked when they were three. You have a different role model when they're 13. Mm -hmm. And when I say role model, it's not a guru. Mm -hmm. It's not a person you go to and say, tell me everything to do. But you have like one thing that Todd and I really appreciate is I feel like in movies and in TV shows, there's like a really cynical uh, viewpoint of marriage yeah. that either someone always cheats or the dad's a doofus and the mom is a nag. And there's like a, a pretty consistent yeah. pattern of marriage being a joke, yeah. right? And part of the reason we really liked Friday Night Lights, for those of you mm-hmm. who watch TV shows, is because we felt, and again, it was a drama version of a marriage. There were a lot of things that went you know, didn't go great for them. But really, Coach and Tammy had a really real marriage to me. There was a lot of, you never, I never thought in any episodes that they were not going to end up together until the end, which was part of the, you know, the awesomeness of the show. Um, And we appreciated that. It's nice to have healthy role models of marriage where they were on each other's side. This is the theme song to oh, Friday Night Lights. I'm it did I It's a slower beginning though. What's it well, waiting for? It gets for? going. For those of you guys who've never seen this show, get on Netflix and just watch the pilot. Yikes, watch the pilot. Wow, it's heavy. Yeah. I mean it, it gets you in right away. I don't mean heavy like you can't handle it, but you'll care. Sweetie, you like Riggins. Who doesn't like Riggins? I loved Riggins. I loved Riggins. He was the best. There's there's this girlfriend of mine who one of her friends has a Instagram account just dedicated to, to Tim Riggins and that he she just puts up a new picture of him. Um, this is funny because the song still hadn't started. It reminds me of my Pink Floyd psychedelic music. <laughs> like we're a minute three in and we still haven't gotten. Well, to it. this is not the theme song. This is what they play in the background when something's happening oh, dramatically. Is that what it, it yeah. says theme song. There you go. No, I was saying. I mean, maybe this is it, but it's still starting. There we go. There we go. So for all of you non-Friday night listeners, sorry for the last two minutes of this podcast, but... Well, if they haven't watched it, go watch it. Yeah, it's pretty And I, you know, there's a lot of very real relationships in there. Um, And again, it's a show, but it can sometimes at least 
raise our self awareness, mm-hmm. help us look at each other, and you know, like I love Texas forever, sweetie. Uh, for reals, what is uh, what was that guy's name? The kid who was from Evanston. He ended up being with Julie. Um, Saracen? Saracen. Like his relationship with his grandmother. Yeah. Like that's what you do. Yeah. You take care of your grandmother. Yeah. And it wasn't a big like, oh my gosh, he takes care of his grandmother. Right. That's what you do. There was this family thing. And then there were some people who didn't have such luck. Um, but wait, before you move on. I want to move on, woman. What do you want to move on to? To the reviews. We got to go. My dad's going to be upstairs with a dog in seven minutes. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, but I want to talk about this more because this is so... Okay, let me try and finish on on a note that makes me feel complete because I feel I don't feel complete. Okay, so going back to Todd's original point about having a relationship with someone who tells you the truth, it it doesn't have to be that every single relationship you have is like that. Mm. If you have someone or a few people, like, and I can think of you and then uh, two or three girlfriends of mine, where there is a sense of I will show up for you as honestly as I can, not to be better than you, not to confront you just to win, not to make you look bad or not to embarrass you, but just to love you. Yeah. That's pretty great. Well, and, you know, to go to MKP and and my example with Frank is he didn't, he lovingly called me out and all he did, and I use this in my coaching sessions with the guys, is it's my job to hold a mirror up to you. Right. And what he did was he held a mirror up to me, not to tell me how bad I was, but to say, these are your actions and I need to show you how it's affecting and impacting me. That's it. Because it's going to impact, if you're doing this all the time with everybody in your life, it's going to have a negative impact on many. And unless somebody holds up that mirror to me, I'm in trouble. And I would even, please don't pay the play the thing when I say this, but I'd even take it back a little bit and say that he can say, oh, because I don't want you to affect other people. It's not about that. He feels affected. Mm -hmm. And that's enough of a reason. Do you see what I mean? We don't hold up a mirror and then use some baloney response like, well, I'm just doing this for your own best interest. That sounds just as bull crappy as... You know, it's, you're just for you. Like, that's what I say to Todd. It's not about I'm saying this to you so then you treat everybody else differently. This is how I would like our relationship to be. Right. Can we be honest with each other? And then the the offshoot of that, the icing on it is if we do that, then you can do that with other people yep. it, it just as much. Yeah. Okay. So there's so much more there. I know. But we will end there. iTunes reviews. Um, just for you guys, uh, we're getting a lot more reviews. And I think it's because you could now give a review from your phone. And I'm going to give the instructions again because it's so helpful to us. If you're listening on your phone right now, go to your app store and do a search. Even if you already have subscribed to it, do a search for Zen Parenting Radio and then find it, click on it. And then there's a writing and reviews tab and you can actually click on write a review. And here are a few that we got. We got a bunch of them from a woman named Kim Oswald. I know Kim. I know. Uh, she says, ZPR rocks, Zen Parenting Radio truly changed my life. I've been doing grassroots marketing without you guys asking ever since I started listening. So much gratitude, Debo. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. Uh, San Diego mom, Jen, says, turning mundane into inspiring. ZPR has changed my day-to-day life. Now I look forward to folding laundry or my commute so I can listen to Todd and Kathy. Oh, that's nice. I already see the positive impacts in my parenting, marriage, relationships. I never thought I would wish my commute was longer. It's funny. I do that when I get into a really Me good too. podcast. 
I like want more laundry twofold. Do you know sometimes when I'm listening to a song I love and I'm driving home, I'll drive around the blocks That's around our house to finish it, yeah. Um, Game Changer by Rose. Rose is actually from Team Zen. Nice. She says Team Zen all the way. She says a Game Changer. You leave a podcast feeling inspired and positive versus shamed and less than. Thank you, mm, Rose. I hope so. And then good old Super Pod, Agar Agar from Switzerland, sweetie. She calls it or he calls it a Super Podcast. Um, guess what the capital of Switzerland is? I, I don't know. I did a little research on it. What is it? Uh, there is no capital. It says you're correct. The Swiss constitution does not mention a Swiss capital. Bern is the de facto capital of Switzerland. Interesting. I, Bern spelled how? B-E-R-N. Oh, burn. She says, this podcast is the best thing on the internet. Tuesdays are Zen Parenting New Podcast Day. Yeah. A great companion on the self-awareness journey. And then uh, last one, promise. Uh, it's a slow, savory build from 505 by 206 from USA. Though I've been listening to Todd and Kathy for some time, it took me a while to embed them selves in my heart but we finally got there sweet yay we infiltrated her heart i'm glad we love you too me too and i really mean that like i you know i know people use that um flippantly and we can't use it in a way that we know all of you personally but we do love you yes it's Um, a it's a even love we could do a whole show on love and what i mean by that maybe we will yeah um so in order to help us out if you're interested to help us out either uh, join team zen or subscribe to the podcast or buy one of kathy's awesome books or get on our on your facebook feed and see our feed first because we uh, share a lot of inspirational things on there don't we on facebook and instagram yeah get a a facebook and instagram and i think as we've mentioned we have a new website that's being created right now and it's pretty rocking awesome i know we just need to come up with a strategy of how we're going to get people there because i never visit websites of podcasts that i listen to well and don't visit it yet because we still don't go there but um i mean you can if you want but that it's not done it'll be done at the end of august and why i'm excited is not just because we can say here look at our website but there's lots of things on it there's Mm -hmm resources on it. There's anyone who we've got all of your reviews on it. We've got all these lists that we've been on. We've, we've got an easy way. So for those of you who wanted to start from the beginning of, you know, go to number one and just listen all the way through, we now have like a way that you can listen to whatever number podcast you want from our website. And you can even start at number one and go all the way down. Like all the things you guys have been telling us for the last seven years, like make this easier, make yeah. this easier. Not only that, we have our favorite podcast. Yeah. We have a little podcast where if you've never listened before, listen to this one. Listen to this one first. And when I say our favorite podcast of our show. Yeah. So people who are like, which ones should I listen to? Listen to these. And then we also have our favorite podcasts that are not our podcasts, things like Dear Sugar and, you know, This American Life and podcasts that if you like our show, here's some we like. Yeah. And here's some books we like. Yeah. So- it's obviously for us, but it's also for you guys. So all these things you've been asking us for, we're trying to give you. Hey, and don't forget to check out our two other amazing partners. Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, and he has a company called Avid Company, and they do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 630-956-1800, and you can check them out at avidco.net. And don't forget to check out uh, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Dr. Kelly, she adjusts us twice a month, and she's located in Elmhurst, our beloved town. And uh, people come from all over the Chicagoland area to check her out. So you can learn more by going to chirotree.com, or you can give them a call at 630-941-8733. Healthy families by choice, not by chance. 
Um, and then um, buy your book. Sweetie's got an awesome three book set. So go to our website and you can find uh, the book. Or on Amazon. Or on Amazon. And then I also coach guys called Coaching for Guys. So if you're out there, guys, uh, first session is free. We do it face-to-face or on the phone or Skype or FaceTime or any of the above. Uh, go to toddadamscoaching.com. And always remember, it's the investment in yourself that will yield the highest returns. I get hmm. that from Warren Buffett. I was going to say, that's that's a new one for me, but I like it. And we were going to get to a question, but we ran out of time, time because I think my dad's upstairs. I hear stepping and steps and footsteps <laughs> and stuff. So um, that's the dealio. So anything else you got, my darling? Um, no, just a reminder that our uh, conference announcement is also coming at the end of August. And we have a lot of events in September, so stay tuned. And, and also just remember that this podcast, you know, when Todd and I are trying to narrow it down, really the bottom line is let's just take care of each other mm. and know that taking care of you is the essential first step into taking care of others, the world, the ones we love, the animals, the trees. That's our job here. Let's take care of each other. True that. Keep trucking, everybody. Have a good week. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, they are. consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We love them. This helps people find us, or you can just tell a friend about our show. Even better, word of mouth, right? Right. Todd and I, we do our speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or an organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. We love speaking to groups. Hey. Hey now. Guess what? Next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. Sweet. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you like reading awesome parenting books, read Kathy's. She's got three of them. And the way to find out about them is go to zenparentingradio.com and click on the store. Thank you. You're welcome. Award-winning, I might add. I know. So you coach guys. I love coaching guys. And you're good at it. I do it on Skype, face-to-face, and even on the phone. And we talk about uh, parenting, uh, relationships, finance, career, work-life balance. It's awesome. So first session's free. If you're interested, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Great. And if you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, I promise. Yeah. But we get a small commission from Amazon. It's just an easy way of making money. And you, you, you're you going to buy from Amazon anyway, so you might as well go through our homepage. All right. Right-hand side, Amazon link. Great. Great. <laughs> hey, and thanks for being such an awesome listener, you know? <laughs> sponsors. Oh, yeah. Um, I also want to thank our two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Company, Painting and Remodeling, avidco.net, and Dr. Kelly's at chirotree.com. Thank you so much for all your love and support. Keep on trucking. Sweetie, Case, say keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. I say it better. I know. That's all right. Keep trucking. Adios. Bye.